As humans, we often struggle with context when it comes to our faith and regularly fail to apply the Word of God in our daily lives. Verita's podcast is a weekly Bible study led by Rev. C.B. Samuel and through it, we try to understand and locate the roles we are called to play in the world we live in by delving into the teachings of the Holy Bible. We welcome you to join us in learning more from the Word of God and in learning how to live out meaningful lives as Christians. We begin again our series of Bible studies and uh, for this semester I would like to focus on the Gospel of Mark. Now let me give you the reason for my choice of Mark as the book for our study. Now it is very very clear that as we look at all that is happening around we need to have something that gives as an anchor to think about issues and uh, to make choices in life and not to get uh, pushed down or pulled by all the happenings but uh, something that will make sense and I believe when we look at the early church look at the Bible as a whole uh, one you know the situations that people go through is not unique there have been worse situations and uh, of uncertainty and uh, pain and injustice and all those things that are happening but bible is a record of a people who sustained hope and made it through and continue to make it through not that the world has become a better place in fact it has become worse and so we begin to ask ourselves what kept them going and uh, in the last semester i looked at the book of isaiah basically to see what are the main uh, ingredients of hope now i want to move to a new testament book and uh, the new testament right from the beginning is very clear that jesus was someone who did good as a bible would say and despite the fact that he was seen as someone who taught with authority and who did good deeds was killed unjustly and uh, jesus himself told his disciples that if you follow me you would have worse treatment than what the master got and he told them that they should be ready for it so right from the beginning the early church was very aware that uh, unless a wheat dies it will not produce and uh, jesus had warned them and in spite of that warning they were told they are to be salt and light and people will see your good deeds and glorify god in heaven and it was also clear for them that they were a people of the living hope now that meant when we read the pages of the new testament that we are meeting a vibrant community that despite all that was happening around them could actually persist and uh, the epistles are written to such communities and of course they had their own problems but basically they end up providing hope for the people and not just 
mere existence but actually pushing on with hope influencing their society and in the book of hebrews which is written also in the context of people who were suffering and uh, explaining to them about jesus and his all sufficiency the writer would encourage them to run with perseverance the rate race before them having said that there are many people in fact he says we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses and he says in verse 2 of chapter 12 fixing our eyes on jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith so in this race we are encouraged or at least the listeners or the readers of the book of hebrews are encouraged to fix their eyes on jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith now that's the theme that i want to look at fixing our eyes on jesus fixing our eyes on jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith now i believe that what needs to be done today especially for the church for those who are followers of jesus is to ask ourselves what difference would it make to us in fixing our eyes on jesus and the reason i want to do that is basically because we have gone a long way from the early church and it's very special relationship with jesus and uh, it was alfred nolan who wrote a book called jesus before christianity the institutionalization of the faith has created a jesus who is far different from the jesus of the bible we all love you know the gentle jesus kind and mild a jesus who is a loving jesus who doesn't uh, take a whip and clean the temple a jesus who does not talk about judgment but talks about god's mercy a jesus who actually has been very domesticated that today we have a jesus who is very different from the jesus of the bible and i think it's very important for us to recover this jesus I think it is Philip Yancey who wrote a brilliant book called The Jesus I Never Knew. And I believe that is the tragedy of the church today. And especially all of us who have brought, been brought up in a Christian faith or even those who have come to know uh, Jesus in a very sentimental emotional psychological problems that we have had you know i was lonely and jesus was my friend he understood me or jesus who healed me all those things are true but at the core of knowing jesus is a call to follow him and i think that is what seems to have been lost and the reason i chose the gospel of mark is actually uh, because that was the first gospel that was written 
and uh, it captures the oral tradition, the gospel that was preached by the early church. And most Bible scholars will tell us that Mark, though not a disciple of Jesus, was someone who was influenced by Peter. And he was in Rome when he wrote this particular gospel, when Peter was alive. And uh, this gospel was written, according to Bible scholars, in 65 AD, which would be just a few, just before Jesus, uh, Peter was killed. And so Mark would have been asked by the people around to put into paper Peter's teaching on Jesus. So even though we don't have a gospel according to Peter, Mark's gospel would be considered such a gospel. But also it has the personal touch of Mark. And uh, there are passages in Mark or incidents in Mark which Bible scholars would say was about Mark himself. Uh, because there is an incident when Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, there was a boy who uh, fled from the place leaving his outer garment almost naked. And that's not mentioned in any other uh, Gospels, and Mark is the one who mentions it. And so Bible scholars would say that young man who ran away would have been Mark. There are reasons for it, and uh, perhaps, you know, Mark was a very close observant of the life of Jesus. In fact, Ray Stedman would say that he thinks that the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and walked away without following him was actually the young John Mark. But we'll hear more of Mark in the later in the book of Acts. He, his uncle Barnabas uh, took him on a missionary journey and then he left the scene and went away. And then Paul did not want him around. So Mark, the general image we have of Mark is someone who uh, was uh, a person who ran away. But that's not the end of Mark. Mark... Uh, was someone who we know comes back into the whole circulation uh, when Paul writes and he tells send Mark and uh, Barnabas has done a good job with Mark and then Peter and Mark ends up writing the gospel and a few years I think it was just three years after he wrote this particular gospel that Mark himself was brutally killed in Alexandria so Mark knew by the time that he wrote this gospel that uh, there was something about Jesus that he wanted to communicate to the church and especially the new believers. So many scholars would say the book of Mark, the smallest of the gospels, 16 chapters, was written more as a book of education about Jesus for the early church, the new believers who came in. But some people would say, I agree with them, it is Mark writing also to emphasize the call to follow Jesus as the call to discipleship. So it is almost like a textbook on discipleship. What does it mean to follow Jesus? And so here was someone who had an early experience with the early church, the disciples of Jesus, and then fled away, who then began to grapple with the real issues of Jesus and went on to be somebody who wrote this gospel and was somebody who was of great value to people, especially to Paul and Peter, and also who died for the sake of the gospel. 
and uh, so he presents Jesus for us in a very concise way uh, and compared to John Mark has less of the teachings of Jesus even compared to Luke and Matthew but most Bible scholars would say that most all of them uh, maybe Matthew and Luke especially used a lot of Mark's gospel in writing their gospels so there was uh, Mark became the main text from which they borrowed uh, a lot of the incidents they wrote about Jesus and so I want to look at it because my own understanding of the church today is that uh, the problem that we have is that we don't have a well thought through understanding of the Jesus of the Bible we tend to swing from one side to another you know, early in in Sunday school, we would have ended up looking at a Jesus who was uh, kind and loving Jesus. And then as we grew up and we went to the university and we began to grapple with issues, we began to look at Jesus as the one who was the radical Jesus, uh, which is also true. But on the other hand, the one thing that we seem to miss out is a Jesus who calls us into discipleship and discipleship in all areas. So I want to look at Mark's gospel with that background. And uh, today I start the study, but this is going to be actually a study with 12 parts. And uh, today I just basically want to give you an introduction to this particular gospel and also to look at one small section in chapter 1. Now, as I told you, Mark is mainly talking about the deeds of Jesus. And uh, he starts off straight away with the ministry of Jesus. Now, Matthew and Luke give a longer introduction to Jesus, his birth, his genealogy, is uh, growing up as a child. Mark has nothing of those things. John, in fact, goes back into a philosophical thinking of uh, Jesus as being the word that came from God. Uh, but Mark goes straight to the incident of Jesus' baptism, the beginning of the ministry. And then he talks about activities. And interestingly, he's got a word which comes very often when he says Jesus, then then immediately, immediately, it's almost as though Jesus is on the move. And definitely, he captures for us that Jesus was here to fulfill the task that God had given to him. And there was no waste of time in achieving that. And so he moves from one to another. And uh, you must be remembering that Jesus' parents uh, settled in Nazareth. And Jesus himself uh, was in Capernaum. And that is where his ministry was, in the Galilean region. And uh, most of what we have in the Bible gives us a record of Jesus staying in Galilee and ministering, apart from a few visits to Jerusalem. But in the three and a half years, most of the ministry was in Galilee. And uh, then at one point, Jesus begins to move towards Jerusalem. And uh, he very clearly tells his disciples that he will have to die. And uh, he moves to Jerusalem. 
So there are two parts of Jesus' ministry. One is the Galilean ministry. And then second is the journey from Galilee to Jerusalem on the way and finally in Jerusalem itself. And uh, most Bible scholars would say that the turning point was the incident of transfiguration where Jesus meets with uh, Moses and Elijah and they talk to him about his departure. And then Jesus tells his disciples that he must start moving towards Jerusalem. So in Mark's Gospel, this particular incident comes in chapter 9. So it falls into that pattern. One chapter 1 to chapter 9 is largely about Jesus' Galilean ministry. And then chapter 9 onwards till the end of the Gospel, Jesus' Jerusalem journey and his ministry in Jerusalem. Now that's how we're going to look at it. And I hope that God will continue to minister to us as we study the scripture and get to know uh, what the Bible says about Jesus. I'm not going to be always uh, only limited to the Gospel of Mark because some incidents are found in Matthew, Luke and sometimes in John also. So there may be references to those passages. But let me go back to Mark chapter 1. And as I said, Mark begins this chapter not with Jesus' birth and genealogy, but by Jesus uh, getting baptized uh, in coming to see John the Baptist. And so today I want to just quickly look at chapter 1, verses 1 to 8, uh, or maybe a little bit further as well. And this is about John the Baptist, John who came before Jesus and who was baptizing people in the wilderness. And what you will notice here is the way Mark begins the gospel when he says in chapter 1 and verse 1, the beginning of the good news, or in some translations, the beginning of the gospel about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. Mark, as, he, as I said, starts straight with a bang. The beginning of the good news. You know, when we talk about good news and the gospel, we tell about Jesus' death and resurrection. Mark says, no, 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 no. Gospel doesn't begin there. It begins with the covenant that God made to the people of Israel in the book of Isaiah, where he said, I will send a messenger who will prepare the way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord make straight paths for him. To understand who Jesus is, to understand the identity and the purpose of Jesus, we need to go back to the Old Testament. That is what Mark is saying. That is where the good news was born. Good news was born in the heart of God when he made a covenant with the people that he will send the Messiah. And the one who comes before the Messiah is the voice calling in the wilderness. So Mark places Jesus in that context. And I believe it's very important. All the confusion that we have about Jesus is largely because we look at Jesus from the time of his birth as the little baby Jesus, which is very important. But that is not the beginning. To understand who Jesus was, 
to understand the purpose for which he came, we have to go back to the Old Testament. And the book of Isaiah, it says God promised that he will send the Messiah. So he says the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Two important titles. Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus, the Son of God. And Mark wants to show us that. This is the good news. It is Jesus who was, who is the Son of God. And Jesus who is the Messiah of God. And the good news starts, or at least it originated with the covenant that God made. And I believe it's very important for us to brush up our knowledge of Jesus and ask ourselves the question, who do you say Jesus is? The question that comes back somewhere in the middle in chapter 8. A very important question. And Matthew and Mark and Luke and John have written the gospel in such a way that we cannot bypass that question. All four of them want to present to us Jesus in a way that whichever context we come from, we will be faced with that question. Who do you say Jesus is? And I believe that we cannot bypass that question and still have a knowledge of Jesus that is going to be it enough for us to handle life. Who we say is Jesus is going to make a big difference in how we handle situations in life, our purpose in life. And I believe that is what Mark would like us to emphasize. I know here the beginning of the good news. And he says that is where it started. See, God had made a promise. In fact, in the book of Malachi, the last of the Old Testament books, written more than 400 years before Jesus came. In that book, it ends with this voice in the wilderness when it says, people ask the question. You know, they ask the question, where is God? And they said, where is God and where is his justice? That's what they ask. And at that time, God responds to say, that I will send a person who will be the voice. You will send, who will turn people from the parents to hearts of the parents to the children and the children to their parents. Because they keep questioning the justice of God. And God says, I will do it. And I believe it's very important for us that as we look at the scripture, that God acts. Uh, in chapter 2, I was looking for the passage. In chapter 2, this is what it says. Verse 17. They said, where is the God of justice? All who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord and he is pleased with them. God says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. This is what happens. It is a cry for a world which is different. And God said, I will send my messenger. Isaiah, Malachi, almost everywhere these promises are there. So Mark says there was an expectation of the Messiah. And that was fulfilled in Jesus' coming. That's the good news they were waiting for. And it starts off with this man, John. Now, it's very important for us to understand the place of John in understanding the message of Jesus. 
Now John was not simply a voice in the wilderness. He came actually, it says, to prepare, you know, calling people, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight path for him. And what was John doing? John was somewhere in the wilderness, it says, dressed in camel skin, and he called people to repent. And people came to him, confessing their sins, and they were baptized. And this was his message. Hey, get ready. After me is coming someone who's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Because they were waiting for the Messiah. Because in the Old Testament, God had said, I'll take away your heart of stone, give you a heart of flesh. I'll pour out my spirit. Doesn't matter what denomination we come from. It's very important to know that the Holy Spirit was a significant part of this good news of God. You know, without the Holy Spirit, there is no good news at all. That is what John said. He's coming. He's going to baptize you. And But John had a very straight message. Mark doesn't say much about it. It says people came confessing their sins because John was calling people to repent about the way they lived, the lifestyle they lived, the framework that they had. And in fact, some people, when they came to be baptized, who were the Pharisees and others, John looked at them and said, you brood of vipers, why are you coming for baptism? Because he said, this is not simply a, it is not a religious ritual. It is a sign of repentance. And I believe that very important part of the early church's message, not just here when Jesus came, even later when Peter stood up, he said, repent. Now that's a word which we have lost in 21st century. We don't talk to people about repenting. We have a picture of a God who is such a loving God who just accepts us as we are. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. Later on when he came into Galilee, again the same words, repent and believe the good news. Next week I will look at it. Why do we need to repent in order to accept this good news? A religion, a faith in Jesus that does not start with repentance is no faith at all. It's just a good feeling. And the word repent is very central in our turning around. What do we repent for? And why should we repent? Isn't the good news for all? Yes, it is. But it's only accessible to those who start with repentance. And that's why John is very significant. In the wilderness, he called people to repent because repentance is the beginning of that experience with God. There is no encounter with God that is genuine without an encounter which causes repentance. Now, let me stop now. I, I think my time is going to be finishing and I hope you would look, read the Gospel of Mark. And the next time we meet, I'll continue from here and we're going to look at it, read it. It's very easy to read, 16 chapters. And, uh, you know, there are many ways you can listen to. We have audio Bible. You can listen to the recordings of the scripture. Just, just immerse yourself in Mark's gospel and ask that question. Who do I say Jesus is? What does Jesus mean to us? You know, you will remove a lot of the mess that we have picked up on the way the Sunday school Jesus, the church Jesus, our own Jesus of rebellion. And we have created, a crafted a Jesus 
who is not the Jesus of the Bible. Would you pray with me? Our Father, we thank you again for being the one who continues to draw us to yourself. And that's why you have given us a truth. Because when we know the truth, like Jesus said, we will be set free. And God, even in our knowledge of Jesus, there's a lot of things, God, which we have picked up on the way that has made Jesus look so different from the Jesus of the Bible. I pray, God, that even as we start looking at the Gospel of Mark, we will again, fresh, understand that Jesus, who incarnated himself on earth, Father, your Son, will become real to us. If the sun sets us free, we will be free indeed. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for taking time out and being a part of this Bible study. Veritas Podcast is a podcast run by students and we upload every week on Wednesdays. If you find our content engaging and wish to know more, kindly subscribe to our podcast channel Thank you for listening and we hope that you are blessed by this initiative.